0: Mikey 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 (laughs) feeling so awake today (laughs) Uh, It's like six coffees injected into my veins (laughs) I know it's early in the morning for you It's quarter to six here in Berlin And I feel ready to talk about Joseph Robinette A man who is called after the French word for faucet We have to talk about him I did not know that. Yeah, the but, but Joseph <laughs> means
1: faucet in French. I can't even tell if you're like being serious or not. I have no idea. Le Joseph.
0: No, robinet, uh, I think, is faucet.
1: Um, yeah, we're doing
0: this a little bit differently because uh, a month ago Aaron was like talking about his first 100 days in office. It's kind of boring. They yeah. do that with every president. Um, so we do things a little differently here on the Americanist podcast, which is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. My name is Johannes Ehrmann. I'm joined as every time by my friends and accomplished scholar Mike Bayoki over in Stanford, California. Please do rate and subscribe everywhere you can. This is going to be our last episode before the extended summer break because you, Mike, are, after all, a U.S. professor and it's the end of May. And we know you need some time off. So we'll be back sometime (laughs) this fall, but not before we will have talked in detail about Joseph Biden's first 130 days in office. And we need to start this with Stefania Follini, because Uh she, of course, is the Italian-born interior designer who from January 13, 1989 until May 22, 1989, spent some 130 days in the cave, thus breaking the women's world record for longest cave isolation. <laughs> in New Mexico. So, there's the link. It was, it was happening in the US. And it was an experiment on something that I can't even pronounce. Circadian rhythms? Is that? Oh, sir, Circadian. 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 Yeah, circadian yeah. is like Major Tom, you know, circadian. And you know what? Stefania Follini, that is me. And the cave, well, that's my personal US media awareness since mid-January. <laughs> yep, That seems super healthy. <laughs> Next to none.
1: <laughs> Took some that's time excellent. off. For mental health purposes, that's really good.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so I hope I'm excused. You know, I was tired. Yeah, I can catch you up. I needed to research for my book had to get some work in, kids were cranky, I was cranky, everyone was <laughs> kind of cranky. You know, we were in something that many called a lockdown, which wasn't even a lockdown. Now we're better, infection rates down, kids are all right. We actually, hey, we dined outside again last week, you know, in something, what, you know, what are they called again? Ah, uh,
1: uh, oh, yeah,
0: restaurant, yeah, summer is coming. It was sunny today. Not a single cloud. 23 Celsius, whatever Fahrenheit. Here I am. Ready for some news
1: on number 46? He's doing an okay job or what? Oh, he's doing a great job. Like, I was just looking. He's got something like a 60% approval rate. What? Like, the country loves him. Yeah, so when was Trump's approval rating at 60%? uh never (laughs) not (laughs) once not even wait in four years never never Never. not even when he won not even immediately after he won dude never cracked 40s like he never i think he was like maybe his highest was like 43 or something like that he was he was not super popular Was he a little fascist? Was he a little dictator? Yeah, yeah, so 60%. I, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so it, it's not too much of a surprise, right? Like, we've got a bunch of people vaccinated. We are now, uh, I think it's, I think, I think the correct statistics is above 12 years of age in the United States, 60, again, 60, 60% of uh, Americans are vaccinated. We have just done a hmm, Could that be could that be job. the
0: 60% who think that Biden is doing a good job? <laughs> that, could, that could in fact be <laughs> There's probably some overlap there. And then just due to the Venn diagram. I also heard Republicans not so keen on getting vaccinated overall. It's wild, right? Like we're not going to uh, talk about it, I promise. We
1: talked so much about healthcare uh, and stuff. Not yes. today. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. That is such a trigger topic for me, dude. Like, I cannot even begin to tell you. Yes. I know that. <laughs> it is. I'm sparing you some nerves today. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you caught this. If you haven't been watching media, one of the major innovations here has been that governors in the United States have started offering lotteries. Have you heard this? No. So what we've been doing is, if you get vaccinated... Um, you get entered into a lottery to win a million or a couple million dollars. Uh, and apparently that has just been doing a phenomenal job of getting people to take vaccines. Wow. Go <laughs> on. It's a bingo! <laughs> <laughs> we have
0: Christoph Waltz as a testimonial. <laughs> okay. I'm realizing also because I, I changed locations here, uh, obviously to the cave. I think there's a bit of an mm-hmm. echo, but uh, I think the listeners will understand, right? So, um,
1: I think 130 that... days here, just, yeah, anyway. Um, so, yeah, Biden, good? Yeah? Yeah, um, so let's see. So, he has done some very charming things, like they got him, like, uh, in a truck. We have now, like, the Ford F-150, which is a... Electronic version of our very favorite truck here in the United States. They had him driving that and flooring it and stuff. So he's done a really good job with outreach and media and that kind of stuff. He's whoever is in charge of putting him in front of a camera has done a pretty good job recently. Hmm. He's a very charming, sweetheart, old man. What you're saying? He even has competent people around him. Yes, I mean, that that's insane, right? Like it's so weird to see a bunch of really good people working for the president. And he hasn't. And yeah. but how many has he fired so far? And There must be like dozens that he already <laughs> laid off, right? I know we're we're what we're like almost a hundred scaremouchies in. Like so, we he should have fired like a ton of people at this point yeah so i don't even know what to tell you like he's he's wonderfully boring i mean there are mm, so i can mm. tell you about some of the other stuff like uh mitch mcconnell like sort of the leader of the republicans inside of the senate has Mm. uh basically ordered uh the same kind of protocols that he did with obama which was Mm. to obstruct passage of um any meaningful legislation, so mm-hmm. the Senate is now grinding to a halt. And there's some real—I mean, next time we talk in the fall, mm-hmm. um, it could be the case that the Senate has really dramatically altered its operating procedures. Like there's mm-hmm. um, there's a, some stuff about like how many votes you need to proceed, like the filibuster, um, Ooh, and how yes. the filibuster can be incorporated. This is a pretty dramatic battle. Um, it will have long-lasting implications um but so that that's like sort of been playing in the background and i think and here's here's a point that like sometimes gets lost is um joe biden's been in the senate forever (laughs) and so the nuances and the connections and the people the intricacies of maneuvers in the senate are really well known to him to a level that i don't think a lot of people appreciate Mm -hmm. Um, and i think that is helpful here and also to a level probably that
0: obama wasn't Into that, right? right. That was one of the major criticisms. Yeah, he was a very young senator, anyway. Um, And then he became a very young president. And I mean, that's kind of the short one of the shortcomings of the eight Obama years, right? That there was not enough
1: across the aisle stuff happening, right? That's right, and that's part of a big part of the reason that he chose Joe Biden as his running mate Mm -hmm. um, and and as his uh, vice president was because of that institutional knowledge.
0: So I've read. In preparation, uh, in all fairness, I've read a little bit of uh, German and German language media um, on the first 100 days, um, and I very quickly came across another great American president with a funny second name, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So they're comparing him with FDR, um, but then we're quick to point out FDR. So this was in 1933. I guess he took office, That's right? right? Yeah. And when, you know, the world economy had basically crashed um, and he signed no less than 99 executive orders uh, and let Congress yeah. pass 76 new laws within his first 100 days. Um, so Joe Biden is a bit outpaced by that. <laughs> 42 and 11, especially high discrepancy also, I think, in laws passed, right? Um, yeah. So, but let's let's maybe talk about the things that he has gotten moving. Um, and I mean, Corona is the big topic. One point nine trillion dollar economic stimulus package.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: The American Rescue Plan Act.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, like I, I can't tell you how huge that is for our economy. Um, uh, the notion that it got passed. I mean, I think it's even larger, substantially larger than what we did after the two thousand eight um, like collapse. So. Uh, The fact that this is the second one uh, in just as many, you know, like years is pretty phenomenal. And to get that through with a fairly aggressive opposition party was also remarkable. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think major kudos to him. Mm -hmm. That was not a a foregone conclusion at all. And then I think we already hinted to that in one of
0: the other episodes um, when I was making fun of this wonderful monument in Philadelphia, the South Street Bridge. Um, there's also apparently an infrastructure project going on. So what I found here is that um, the Corona stimulus package plus the infrastructure project uh, brings this up to $6 trillion that will be spent yeah. in the next 10 years. So you're going to have to tell me how many zeros there are in $6 trillion um, because <laughs> I got lost a little bit there. Maybe, maybe we'll just let the listeners look this up for themselves. Yeah, I think it's going to be it. Um, yeah. So, is it so? Those are the two big things, basically. Um. That
1: well, so the on? infrastructure hasn't passed, right? This is okay. actually where a lot of the slowdown and mm-hmm. debate has been recently. Like, mm-hmm. the, I think the <clears throat> the Republicans did a, a like sort of a cognitive thing. They sort of said there's something about the first bill that is tied to coronavirus, and mm-hmm. the public will see it that way. And then I think there was a branding shift. If that makes sense, just the way that like biden's administration has been talking about um the second the, what is this? again it's just another stimulus but it's mm-hmm. targeted towards infrastructure mm-hmm. they really like latched on to that like branding and then they became very silly about like the debates about like what actually counted as infrastructure so so in, in you know in u.s politics infrastructure usually means like roads and bridges and electrical grid or something like that mm-hmm. Uh, And the Biden administration was widening that to include things like um, internet uh, and um, I forget water, I guess water was already, but there are several other sort of things that are not obviously what we would classically call infrastructure. But it was very much in the ideas of like a FDR. Let's make you know, let's get the country working again, kind of mold, mm-hmm. and that's where the debate's been. <laughs> it's a very silly debate early on, which is about like the descriptions of what counted as infrastructure and what did not. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, the real—I I should just say that—that's a very disingenuous argument that has been put out and distracted the media for a little while. This is. American media is very silly sometimes, okay? I mean, they, they, uh, they, they bought that little argument about, well, this is not infrastructure. But it's like, come on, guys. That's not really what the debate is here. Uh, Mitch McConnell does not want uh, Biden to uh, be someone who turns on the spigot and helps out like lots of people. Is he, is he going to uh, buy some new Amtrak trains as well? Oh, man, dude loves Amtrak. Oh, my gosh, he loves Amtrak. That would be phenomenal. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure he's going to find some money. I, I'm sure it's in there somewhere, right? Yes, yes. was <laughs> yeah,
0: gonna be amazing. Yeah. I still remember my, my Amtrak journey from was it Chicago to Benton Harbor. Benton Harbor, Michigan, where my dear friend Steve uh, yeah. lived at the time. Um, and we spent Thanksgiving there. It was snowing outside, pretty cold around Lake Michigan. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. for a trip which I think was scheduled for two hours, we were like I think three hours forty-five or so. Uh, <laughs> broke down a couple of times, but they had ice cold beer in cans, oh, which was
1: absolutely okay. amazing. So it was actually,
0: it was actually for me. It was got some Very more time close, to, yeah. to to check down a couple of beers.
1: So. Well, okay, let's carve out a little space here because, like, now that coronavirus is getting under control here, I started looking at some of those trips. Like, there's some really nice. Mm-hmm. uh Amtrak stuff from the west coast to Chicago, um, like through the mountains and that kind of stuff. I was like, that would be kind of neat. You get like these sleeper cars where you can like sit in those like, oh, Oh. my gosh, that could be a lot of fun. Oh, they got rid of these sleeper cars here.
0: So it's amazing. Maybe maybe we should do that together. I I come over, we take some... It's probably going to be fun until we step on the trains and then then afterwards we can say, yeah, we're going to fly again. We're going to fly again. So I'm really amazed. So, I mean, Americans, I mean, who are all about the individual and you guys can all pull yourselves up from your hair, you know, out of the mud, chatter, yeah. um, and uh, so I, very amazing. But you guys even have Kindergeld now too. Do you know Kindergeld? No, I don't think I know this one. I thought it was a German thing um, because, you know, the German father state here that protects us very well, puts us in warm yeah. cushions uh, every month anew, um, for every child. Um, that we have, um, from the moment they're born until they're grown up, um, we get close to 200 euros uh, every month from Ah. the States. And that's Kindergeld. It has nothing to do with chocolate. Ah. Um, Well, (laughs) indirectly. (laughs) Kind of. That's what we give them to pacify them. Some of it gets allocated. Exactly. Um, And so I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, during Corona now, you guys introduce something like that and Biden even plans to keep
1: it that's true that that is absolutely something that's being talked about i don't know if it'll actually go through but it does if pitched right could be really well received by both or all of the major political parties. Hmm. Yeah, and by parents, I guess. Yeah, by parents, yes. <laughs> so this is, I mean, but I'm, I'm a bit, yeah, I don't know if that's
0: still going to be my America then afterwards because this, this is, this is very. I mean, this is basically. Let's let's face it, it's socialism, right? I mean, this is basically. I mean, don't sh-
1: don't say that. Come on. <laughs> if you say that, we might not get it. Okay. <laughs> Shh. <be> quiet. <laughs> okay. Socialism, socialism, socialism. socialism. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's being talked about. I, I am not terribly hopeful about it. I think it is. It, it's the kind of um, support that Republicans, a uh, certain type of rep- Republican really worry about, um, which is like sort of a built-in, uh, very simple mechanism that transfers wealth. Like that is like just gets that part. There's like we've talked about in the past there's probably like three or four distinct groups inside of the republican party and there's one that is sort of like corporate like that that's its primary drive is to make sure that high net worth individuals and high like you know large corporations are represented well that part of the party represented by whatever uh, um they are they would be dead set against this (laughs) But I mean,
0: okay. Now we're going going to come to um, who's going to pay for all this? And um, yeah, <laughs> I mean the big corporations. From what I understand, um, you know we know them: Amazon, Google, Facebook. At least in Europe, they are paying so many taxes. It's just, I mean, yeah. could they even could they make like the super rich and the corporations pay more taxes? I mean, this
1: is insane. Yeah. Well, you know, um, actually, I'm going to make an oblique reference that you will get, but do you remember the very first time you and I uh, hung out and we had our friend who passed out on the floor of his kitchen? Uh, This is in grad school. It, wait he's okay, so, okay okay for- okay 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 there's a good story here that i only partially remember um yeah well he well, he only partially remembers it too by the way <laughs> so the reason i can't mention him is yeah. he's a yeah, high yeah. up official now inside of treasury yeah yeah sure um, sure sure uh so i was talking with him this past weekend and uh yes they do have the ability to do this and they are procuring the ability to uh monitor taxes in a better way like um You know wealth transfer and taxes among high net worth individuals Mm. and uh, to some degree corporations better that's actually you know I had not been sort of track this is like a little bit this is like really really in the weeds here, but um, there's some recent legislation that's being sort of pushed back and forth that basically, the United States is getting potentially quite serious about getting um, uh, not allowing. People to basically lie on their taxes and hide and shelter <laughs> and that kind of stuff. So, yes, and what's kind of funny is it's our buddy, <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, who's who's in helping to design that. Okay, but I
0: mean, let's get back to this comparison with with FDR, um, because I think the New Deal um, that was started back in the '30s um, was sort of like one of the, if not the, major legislative efforts and executive efforts um, to install something that resembles a welfare state. I don't say you guys have a welfare state there, uh, we've talked about no. that in the last episode a little bit. Yeah. Um, and obviously, so this was, you know, the Great Depression, uh, the work, world economic crisis was a the catalyst there. Do you think Corona actually can act in such a way that it paves the way for really reforms that we look back to in twenty, thirty years as historic and that really also transform the role of the American
1: state in such a way. I think it's really interesting. Joe Biden clearly is asking himself that question, and apparently he's actually, uh, even brought in historians, um, you know, particularly like FDR historians, to try to understand what were the dynamics in play at that time period. Like, so he's very thoughtful, uh, or and, and probably hopeful <laughs> that it does present this opportunity. I don't know. I, I so if. Biden had been in charge last year. So if we swap out the last year of Trump uh, with Biden coming into the presidency at that point, it might have worked better. Um, The other thing I'm mildly concerned about is that I'm not sure that he could, without like another second shoe dropping, I'm not sure that there will be enough power or initiative on Joe Biden's part to take coronavirus to that level you know so if if we have something which i'm not predicting but say that as the in you know world economy comes back online there's still something out there that we don't fully understand and we go into a major collapse I, i think that is possible um that would be how joe biden did that and and the stuff that he's laying down now would be even more appreciated so i don't know if biden was in charge a year ago clearly during that panicked time there would have been more opportunity now since we're sort of coming out as he's coming into the power, yeah i don't i don't know i think maybe like the timing wasn't quite right unless there is and this does happen right like so uh one one that sort of like historical thing is like in 2007 2008 we sort of remember the collapse happening and the economy cratering but there were pretty clear indicators that like Things were gonna be sour like six months, nine months beforehand, uh, and that's kind of the period that we're reaching now, where uh, you know coronavirus really slammed into us like this time last year, and mm-hmm. there might be sort of instabilities being pushed through the mm-hmm. system that mm-hmm. are only going to become mm-hmm. material mm-hmm. now. So that's a long, very long-winded way of saying mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't think it's as clear as as when FDR was coming in.
0: So building on some of that. Um I also saw that not a single Republican voted for the Rescue Plan Act. So talking about division and the legacy of Trumpism, and we know that Trumpism started even before Trump. So that's pretty crazy.
1: So this is our podcast, so I'm going to like put my foot down here. It's not division. It is ob- intentional obstruction and intent of the Republican Party to make sure that uh, they are fully in opposition to the Democrats. This is the same thing that they did to Obama. This is not, in fact, like both sides. It's very unambiguous that the Republicans are trying to smush the ability of the Democrats to uh, govern. Here's another thing, if you haven't been, like, tuned in. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. The, so the Democrats weren't doing the same thing during the Bush administration? During the Bush administration, um, not to, no, no, <laughs> it's not, you know, like, so if you look at the rates of... Um, filibustering. So uh, filibuster is when when a bill is in the Senate and they're trying to sort of move forward with something. A senator can slow things down by saying, I'm just going to, you know, I, I'm going to take my time. It used to be used like once every couple of years. Um, and it wasn't until the Obama administration that it was used basically by default. So it used to be things would pass in the Senate with 50 plus one vote. Um, so just over half now everything has to pass 60 or above and they've like sort of had to reverse engineer other ways of getting legislation through so no, it is, it is not a quote. Just a footnote on the, on the filibuster. This is when back in the days they started
0: reading from telephone book and stuff when they were just talking for hours and hours and hours. Um, yeah, which seems a and, and kind of a silly thing to do if we wouldn't know that this was also used to obstruct um, legislation to be passed um, um, you know, against discrimination of blacks in the South and so right. forth. So that's, that's when that that's became really, really big, right in the '60s.
1: That's exactly right, I think that's an important thing every time we talk about the filibuster it was a uh, it was a loophole, so it was a rule that they found that um, that they could use to basically stop any improvement in legislation for um, equity and access, so like you know people were these senators who were using and developed and started to use the filibuster were doing it so they could stop basically black particularly black men from voting mm-hmm. yeah in the mm-hmm. south mm-hmm. um. So it's not a proud tradition. This is not This is not something that we should be preserving because it was awesome. And so is this, you're going to have to, again, help
0: me because I just saw that uh, they also kicked out Liz Cheney, basically. Or are they trying to kick out <laughs> her from, from the Republican yeah. Party? I don't know if that's true yeah. yet. So
1: just to be clear, Liz Cheney is a horrible person. I mean, like, I cannot disagree. Like, some of the stuff that she has said, especially about our... Uh, international interventions, uh, yeah. I, I cannot disagree with her more. But yeah, I mean like, she she went toe to toe with uh, Donald Trump and is stating facts like, you know, there was uh, an insurrection uh, in the United States on January 6th and it was mostly led by Trump folks. She has said that repeatedly and she has said that Donald Trump should be held accountable for that. And yeah, they've now essentially, uh, so they, she was the number three in their party Um, and they've now pulled her from that and they've slotted in another person. So it's just, uh, it's very clear that the Republicans are sort of struggling as to who they will be in the future. There's this former speaker that they had, Paul Ryan, uh, and he just recently reemerged. He's no longer in Congress, but he's been doing things. He works with like Fox news and he's sort of, he's kind of from the, he is the corporate wing of the Republican party. He really thinks about like, how do we make corporations more profitable? Like that's his, his goal. Um, and uh, he just recently reemerged and came out sort of swinging in a combative stance against uh, Trump. And it's just like, you guys are going to get destroyed. I don't know how to explain this to you, uh, Paul Ryan, but like you are in such a bad position right now. Like, it's like me going in to the ring with Muhammad Ali in his prime. Like, I'm just, it's not going <laughs> to well, be... Well, I funny. wouldn't recommend
0: that to anyone. And
1: <laughs> No, not even <laughs> professional <laughs> boxes
0: should have done that. But I think you guys would have gotten along quite fine in the ring or out. Also. Yes, I, All right, so um, Biden always has this language of almost like a religious language of healing, and you know, so, uh, you know, it's not make America great again, it's more like make America right again, or like, you know, that's kind of the bottom line. Um, But hearing that, I mean, can the American political landscape and also hence the society that's attached to it, can they? ever heal or can they heal in the next years because i'm i don't see how this is, it seems still very much
1: like a front line between these these two parts yeah I, i'll tell you i mean I, when we first started this podcast back in like the fall of last year late summer like i think i was I, that was probably my darkest fears for this because we didn't know if like Trump was gonna be reelected it felt like there mm. was lots of uh, schisms building lots of breaks um, I still feel it um, I feel less insecure because we currently have um, sort of my people <laughs> in charge of of the government so I think it's so I can't even begin to imagine what the paranoid wing of the Republican Party looks like right now like how insecure knowing how insecure I felt last fall like putting that you know flipping that and trying to think about where Mm -hmm. they're at i imagine right now that things don't look very pretty to people who are watching a very curated part of the media stream for the the republicans i mean there's probably someone like me sitting on the opposite side who is very concerned at probably a level that was similar to what Mm -hmm. i was at in the fall Mm -hmm. and they're probably seeing um, overreaches in terms of the economy, overreaches in terms of, uh, you know, the, how we are handling coronavirus, that kind of stuff. But there's another wing of the Republican Party that still is quite obsessed with QAnon that we've mm-hmm. talked about on this podcast. Conspiracy but theories, like, yeah. The conspiracy theories and, you know, like have outlandish ideas of um, world conspiracies. and yeah. mm-hmm. It doesn't help that like recently, actually in the next couple of days, the... Uh, Military, United States military is going to be releasing reports on UFOs. Have you been following this at all? Um, So there's been a like for the past four or five years There's been a slow like sort of release of information about objects Mm -hmm. um, Identified by the military that are moving Mm -hmm. in ways that people like our physics don't understand Mm -hmm. Even Obama was on a interview the other day talking about like yeah, this stuff is real like we don't know what it is. It is clear that there are things that are moving, it, you know, on. and it's just like, could we chill out, guys? Could we just like, I don't know who's in charge of like the media campaigns here, but like, we or like not media, but like the release of this information. It's like a very tent, yeah. like so to be a paranoid person inside of the United States at this moment is a little <laughs> intense.
0: Oh,
1: God, no UFOs <laughs> on top of everything else, yeah. on top of every other crazy thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: so um. Let's talk one thing. I've, I found one criticism: his stance on immigration. So he made a lot of promise on, you know, really re- reversing the course. And of course, we we have sort of maybe the, the precedent of of Obama saying he wanted to close Guantanamo, which he never did. Um, and now, you know, we're talking about immigration, which was the hot topic, uh, number one for Trump. You know, build yeah. that wall and all that stuff. And I saw that um, since taking over. Biden has actually uh, actively uh, removed um, over 120,000 undocumented immigrants back to their countries. And if you add the ones rejected at the border, um, this number rises to more than 300,000 since January.
1: Yeah, it's tough. So I, I, I know essentially nothing about immigration, like the details of it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, actually, again, one of our grad school friends was just down on the border helping out. Like, So she works in... Um, the federal government. And so they, so she, she went down there over the last couple of weeks to help out with some of the immigrant families and sort of make processing easier and that kind of stuff. So the government does have programs where they are trying to get help there. Um, What I feel comfortable saying is the real issue is back in the home countries. And I think America does have uh, both a positive role and also some culpability for this is like a lot of our drug policies, a lot of our international policies in the sort of Western hemisphere have led to instabilities in these home countries. That's the real cause. And I think like in the short run, it's very hard, uh, uh, other than like deploying policies that are not good, like sort of pushing people back out of our country or keeping them in detention facilities. Like I, I don't, None of that's good. That is all very bad. But the real way to fix it is to move upstream and figure out like, how do we make it more stable Mm. in that home country? What resources do we put towards that? Um, It's just like the policy of Trump, which is like, these are bad people doing bad things and they're coming to our country and they're taking, like that is so morally gross to me. If you don't want people being terrified and running to your country for Mm. stability, Make their lives better, like help them, like help mm-hmm. build out a strong uh, home country for them. And that's, I think, part of what. So, uh, I don't know. uh Yes, I, I think, you know, by the reports of our friend, like things are not good at the border mm-hmm. at this moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Biden has not made things perfect there. Do I think that that's like a real knock on Biden? No, not really. Mm-hmm. I, I think the real causes upstream is going to take a longer mm-hmm. um you know, a uh, timeline to fix. And, uh, but I do believe that he would really try to fix it where I think Trump would just actually enjoy the fact that there are people coming to our borders mm-hmm. because he can use it politically and he would not want to even fix it because that's part of where he draws some of his power. So there's all this human suffering mm-hmm. that was being used in a very cynical way. And I don't think that's what's happening now. I think there are real people trying to fix this now. But I should really caveat that this was saying like, this is not my wheelhouse. I don't know a ton mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we got 130
0: days in, many more to come. Is he actually, so what's the plan? Is he gonna, because you not the youngest president you ever had, <laughs> is he gonna hand over to Kamala Harris um, and when?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So, uh, there's a lot of uh, non official sort of chatter, sort of like, you know, reporters talking about things that people like politicians talk about w- off the record in those level of conversations, Biden has kind of promised that he would be a one-term president and he would be laying foundation for Kamala Harris. Um, it is also so that, but it is ambiguous and unclear if that will actually be what happens. Maybe he sticks around. I get really scared. Currently our leadership in the United States is really old. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, scary old like there there's a senator here from the uh, from uh, california who clearly has some form of dementia mm-hmm. um you know she will be in meetings and she will read be reading off her script she'll get distracted and then she will read the same part of the script again like it is wow. not okay like we so not okay boomer <laughs> yes yeah, that's right it is uh so we need younger leadership um mm-hmm. And it needs to be sort of like handed over fairly quickly. I do think Biden is aware of that. And I don't think, I mean, he has been setting himself up as a transitional mm-hmm. person. So maximum four years or maybe even less. I, I would guess that, like, oh yeah. So he'll finish out his term. Okay. And then the question is, would he run again? Um, I would I would suspect he won't run again. He'll transition mm-hmm. for Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. And that would be, to me, that would be the best um, is that he hands off to someone else. I, I'm, I'm totally, you know, mm-hmm okay with Kamal Harris. I think there are other people that I would choose first but she's a very reasonable person to hand it off to. Is she is she a dog owner as well like Joe? <laughs> you know it's a good question. I do not know. Uh, she's super charming. She is like and so I, w- I can definitely see her as a, as a dog person. It's, yeah. it's
0: become a bit of a tradition although Biden I think has been forced to break with the tradition again uh, because Champ and yeah. Major, the sweet little German Shepherds, we're apparently biting a lot of people yes. <laughs> the first yeah. days. So they didn't have a great start. They didn't they didn't even make it to hundred days. Champion major. Oh did you see that the Germans it's just this discrimination against the Germans. Is it
1: really it's, discrimination when you sort of deserve it from your actions? I don't, <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean I feel I feel for them as Germans and as shepherds. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll uh, research on, on champion major over the summer uh, yeah. we'll come back with more um, in due time yeah I'm looking forward to that and um, good luck hey before we sign off good luck with your book with the writing thank you yeah it's gonna be yeah, on going Germans not German shepherds but German immigrants yeah that's right this was the Americanist podcast thanks so much for listening Mikey take care please say goodbye and we'll come back in the fall Why bye?
1: Bye, listeners.